Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is September 12th of 2023 and this is episode number 215. I'm your host Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother Jeff. Hey Jeff, how are things going? Rod, if things were going any better I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Yeah, I thought you were going to go with the the twins line there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah man coming off a win and i don't know about you it's like in the 70s all week here um yeah what can you say what yeah can you say great I stuff mean, once once again you you uh you nailed the predictions last week um our, our show had had pretty much the whole script for the for the game yeah i mean it's almost like we picked up right where we left off last season no nah, that was not bad <laughs> 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 well well let's let's bring our guest in um we have we have uh we we have uh ross the sock boss um ross i think that's the proper way to introduce you um everybody can follow you at ross attack he's from the dog chug podcast and f- find them at dog chug and ross is a big uc fan we're going to talk about that and he also sells socks I think we're going to get into that too. How are things going, Ross? Great. Thanks for having me on. Um, Roger and Andy told me it was a great time, so I'm glad you reached out. Um, obviously, it's going to be a really great show because the Browns won week one at home for the first time in forever, and everyone's excited. And it was the Bengals in division game, so it's really easy to talk Browns right now. Usually at this point in the season, we're already down on ourselves, so... Um, <laughs> I'm excited, but no, I really appreciate you having me on, and uh, we get to talk Browns, talk about, learn about each other, and just have fun. Yeah, well, if there's If there's one thing this fan base can can do, Ross, is just find a reason to be down on themselves. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll search a little bit. Maybe we can find something. But man, I think we're we're closer to giddy right now than anything else. I would yeah, say. yeah, it's After like that week. Game. You know the. The week before the season start is the only time we're optimistic because we never have a chance to keep that optimism alive. And right now we do. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually like able to like, you know, go at Bengals fans and Steelers fans and feel confident about it. Oh, and they've been uh, the Bengals fans were more than ready to uh, to, uh, you know, mix it up with us, too. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Kind of ready to move on from that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was a little much. But um, 
Um, Bengals fans kind of went from it seemed like almost overnight from being from being, hey, we're kind of, you know, not that they ever really liked Browns fans in general, but they were kind of like, hey, you know, we kind of hate the Ravens and Steelers, too, mm-hmm. to man, Cleveland sucks. We hate you guys and we're going to kick your butt. Ha ha. You know. Well, oh, yeah, totally. Like I like you mentioned, I went to UC and I'd lived down there a few years after I graduated. So I got a really good pulse on the Bengals fan base. And you're right. Like we would always come to an agreement like, you know what? You guys are the least. We hate you guys the least out of everyone in our division. But I see yeah. that turning around now, especially after that week. And, uh, you know, a lot a lot of those fair weather Ohio fans that go between the Bengals and Browns have all gone to the Bengals because of Joe Burrow. So it's a little different yeah. than it used to be. For now, I mean, we'll we'll see how the next few seasons work out. Maybe some of those people will flip. <laughs> yeah, no. Not that we want them or anything, but right. you know, they can stay down there. Yeah, they yeah. Can I'll, stay I'll be get a pulse there. on it. Uh, I'm going to be in Cincinnati for a wedding in a month, so nice. I'll I'll be asking people around. A lot of my friends I haven't seen in a while, so we'll see. Well, Hopefully, well, we're still Rob, doing great at that point. Yeah, well, Ross, I, I live in Dayton, and I've, I've worked a lot in Cincinnati, northern side of Cincinnati. I've worked with a lot of Bengals fans, so, you know, and I had that exact relationship with them that, that you're talking about. I mean, I talk to a lot of them all the time and, you know, friends with a lot of them, and it's always been, you know, hey, I hope our two teams someday can beat the top two teams in the in the north and, and all this, and now it's it's just different they get a taste of some success mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're you know they don't want any part of us so it goes right to their head yeah it did totally. it's it and i i don't necessarily think it's all of them you know they're they're still uh yeah i still interact with some some good Bengals fans and that but man just a lot of them just not very nice i think it's mostly <laughs> the fair weather fans i, I yeah. think you're right i think you're right yeah yeah so um it, it was an interesting week, so I'm uh, glad, glad we came out on top, and um, we're going to talk a bunch more football, but before we do, um, we uh, we like to do our Blitz Beverages segments, where we talk about what we're drinking, and Ross, I understand you uh, you maybe have a beverage or two there that you'd like to talk about, so, um, so why don't you tell us about that? Well, the first one, I mean... It's not a surprise to anyone. You guys have probably talked about it on the show and had it a bunch of times, but the 73 Kolsch from Great Lakes, the yeah. Joe Thomas beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just having that because it's the victory beer. I figured I want, I knew you guys have talked about it most likely. So it's just my victory beer. It's great. It's actually like what I really like about it is Great Lakes makes it affordable. <laughs> they sell yeah. it in like a six pack, 16 ounce, and it's only like 13 bucks or 14 bucks. So, like, mm-hmm. for a craft beer, like, that's really solid. And it, you could drink a couple of them and not get sick of it. it yeah, it's a great beer. Yeah, just it's give a, me it's just just really good. Brown's marketing on something, and I'll buy it even if it sucks. I mean, it, well, yeah, it, it tastes a little bit better just because it has, you know, Brown's and Joe Thomas on it, too. So, I, I don't really know. I mean, to me, it tastes really good, but... You know, maybe if it had a different label on it, it wouldn't be quite as good. No, it, it's a really solid Kolsch. And <laughs> the fact that you could have multiple of them, like I've had some Kolsches that uh, they kind of have more of that skunky aftertaste. This one doesn't. Yeah, it's very smooth. Yeah, it's yeah. excellent. Yeah, so that that's my, my first beer. Um, but what 
the mm-hmm. one I had to bring on, and you might have heard this from your kids, Rod, because I know you said they all went they all uh, went to UC or one's going to UC. But they yeah. have this uh, the Ryan Ryan guys partnered with the University of Cincinnati to make the Cincy Light Lager. And the cool thing about this, they sell them like 12 packs for an affordable price. I think it's like 12 for 13 or 14 bucks. Mm-hmm. But the idea is it's like it's like a Bud Light, Miller Light kind of beer you could drink a whole bunch of. But every time you buy one of these 12 packs, a portion of it goes to name, image, likeness for the athletes at UC. Oh. So it's selling like hotcakes down by campus is what I hear because everyone's like, why would you why would you drink something else if you're tailgating for a UC game or going to a basketball game or anything? So these things are going to sell like crazy and get the kids actual money, not just like take advantage of them or being well, on the team. That's interesting. And I'll be honest, Ross, I had not heard of that. Um, yeah, but you can only get it down uh, in Cincinnati. So I had a special okay. delivery from a friend. He got me cool. two 12 packs. So I got a few in my fridge for Saturdays and days like today. Nice. Um, that's yeah, cool. My youngest is, I mean, he's 21, but he... He's he started out liking beer, but he's not big on the beer. He for some reason he likes Fireball and some other stuff. So, um, so maybe <laughs> that's, that's college, why I haven't I mean, heard about it yet. It's college. He's he's experimenting, trying different things. So yeah, so yeah, he'll he'll figure it out. But uh, but yeah, cool stuff. And um, you talked about Victory beers, Ross. I am drinking a Victory Golden Monkey. Tonight. Oh, nice. Um. Yeah, as you probably know, these are ten percent. Um, mm-hmm. So I just have one, <laughs> but uh, that that'll be plenty. But yeah, these these are great beers, and I've had it a number of times on the on the on the show. So uh, so yeah, Victory is a great brewery, and this is um, just an excellent beer. So. Yeah, I feel like uh, when I when I started getting into like craft beers, you know, after college, I believe that was like the first beer I had that was over ten percent, and that's what I remember about it. Yeah, and and it's not really a strong tasting beer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I mean you can taste the alcohol a little bit more maybe than than a than a light beer, but yeah, um, it's not enough to deter you from drinking it quickly. Yeah, do they call they call it a Belgian triple or a Belgian Belgian quad or something? Yeah, I, let me see. Um, Belgian style, yeah, Belgian style triple with triple, added spice yeah. is what they say. Yeah. So, uh, but I've had some Belgian triples and quads that are that are a lot stronger in their mm-hmm. flavor, you know, in their flavors, um, and and not as easy drinking as this. So, um, so yeah, I I kind of draw the line at Belgian triples because some of the quads are just a little mm-hmm. too flavorful for me. Totally. Yeah. So, so Jeff, um, anything you'd like to add to the beverage segment tonight? <laughs> nothing Rod. You nothing guys, you guys nailed it <laughs> okay all right then let's talk just a little bit of browns news before we get into the games uh or the game and then the upcoming game guys so um so browns with uh with a couple of roster moves um uh jack conklin i guess um i guess he's on ir correct so with the torn acl and mcl so the Browns signed uh, Michael Dunn to the active roster, and they, um, let's see, I, I should let one of you guys say the name of the tackle <laughs> that they signed to the practice squad, because I have not heard it pronounced. Ty Inseki. Inseki, okay. So they signed him, and he's he's a nice big dude with some experience, 6'8", um, yeah. 335, and uh, he's what? 30, 
30. How old is he? Is he 37? Is that correct? He's 10 years in the league, uh, at least. I mean, yeah, he's bounced around. He's journeyman, okay. but, you know, experienced. And, and um, I think he's a good depth piece. Yeah. You so know, at this point, you don't have a lot of options, right? Right, and they also um, signed uh, Tommy Togia uh, back to practice squad. I know he was cut. Um, can't yeah. remember who he was with, but they signed him back, and they um, they released uh, Lorenzo Burns on corner cornerback. So, uh, um, thoughts on any of those moves, guys? Um, anything anything you like, or uh, maybe surprised by, or anything like that? I don't know if it's really surprising. I guess bringing Togi back is kind of surprising because I know, like, I don't follow PFF scores super close, but, like, he was one of those linemen that just had one of the lowest scores in the league. But I guess he's familiar with our defense, so if we, had, if we absolutely had to plug and play him, it's not the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I feel like we could have just taken a gamble on some other waiver wire guy potentially. But it's that time of the year where, like, the roster was already cut. That was only a week ago, so... Yeah, it's it's a safe move, but outside of that, we all know it just sucks. Conklin's out, it sucks for him. <laughs> really can't replace that, but Dewan yeah. Jones will step in. I mean, he looks like a a beast, and it's going a little oh. earlier than we want, but I think we were yeah. we we're very lucky to have Dewan Jones. I think the injuries would have been a lot bigger news if we didn't have him. Yeah, yeah you know, Rod, um, I, I've seen a lot about that this week, or the last couple of days, um, just uh, on Jack Conklin, um, you know, Jack Conklin was our best tackle. There's a reason he was starting um, and not Dewan Jones, right? Dewan Jones is a rookie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jack Conklin was our best tackle. Um, Browns were paying him 14 million bucks a year because he was our best tackle. Um, I've kind of gotten the feeling from some people that, you know, well, we expected Jack to get hurt anyway. DeWan was was going to take over for him anyway. Uh, it's not that big a deal. It's a big deal when you lose your best tackle. And 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 for a team that is looking to go the distance this year, um, to be starting a rookie at right tackle is a big deal. And I'm not really comfortable with that um, for the full season. Yes. Dewan Jones has has exceeded expectations to this point, but I would be shocked if that continues throughout the entire season. At some point, the league's going to adjust to him and find his weakness. And, you know, the over-under on when this fan base turns on him is probably about week five. Well, I mean, he, you know, he played a lot in the preseason, but he wasn't playing against starters in the preseason for the most part. Right. I, so, I mean, he, yeah, he, he saw some snaps against first team guys uh, and, and he looked good against the, the Philly guys in the practices. Um, yeah. But again, I mean, he, he's going to make mistakes. He's a rookie. Right. And, and to, to put the expectation on him of, of replacing a guy like Jack Conklin, um, you know, let, let's just slow our, our rush a little bit here and, and realize that he's a rookie and, and he's going to get exposed at some point. Yeah, yeah, your point's well taken that we're not in a better spot, which some people probably are, are thinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, the the b- biggest issue is like, yeah, you can say Jack Conklin could end up being hurt, but like we weren't thinking, oh, he's gonna go on IR. I mean, right? Dewan Jones going in week two is probably the scariest part of all this. It's like, yeah, you give him a few more weeks to be ready and fill in Conklin's shoes for maybe a game or two, but that whole season, that's not what we were planning on. Right, and now we were excited take, for the idea of him just filling in for a few snaps. Right, you, yeah. you take a, a, a position of strength with this team. At, you know, the two, the four tackles I thought were a relative position of strength for this team, and and now it's really a position of concern because you lost your best guy. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So, so yeah, I mean, there's um, I don't know if you call it pressure, but I mean, there's. Uh, there's a lot riding on how Dewan Jones plays, um, you know, um, and, and I don't know how much, you know, how much pressure you, sh- you can put on, a, you know, on a rookie like that. Because, yeah, I mean, when he was drafted, I mean, yeah, everybody's thinking project and he plays well in the preseason. And it's like all of a sudden, wow, we got this this great pick. And everybody okay, well, wants him to replace Jed Wills on the left side. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Yeah, start him at left tackle right away. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. I'm sure. I mean, thank God, thank God, he's looked good, and we right. have the luxury of putting him in there. And you know, he's going to be, you know, I'm sure he's going to do a decent job. Um, you know, but but he is a rookie, like you said. Yeah. So, so yeah, there, there's going to be issues. Um, so. So I mean we'll we'll see how the Browns we'll see how the Browns compensate. Um, you know I, I'm sure uh, um, we'll get to the game coming up this week in a little bit. So um, right. So we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. We'll definitely talk about that. But um, but yeah, it it definitely changes things. Um, you know it takes the the tackle eligible play away. <laughs> for Dewan Jones right. can't really do that. Um, <laughs> left the Let's put James Hudson in a tackle eligible, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a, funny. You know, we've six, been six offensive linemen tight end. We've been talking about that all week, and that actually happened in this game, Rod, against the Bengals, where we had uh, James Hudson um, tackle eligible, and we had uh, Nick Harris at fullback. And we were talking about which which of those two things was Dewan Jones going to do first. Well, <laughs> what he's he doing playing first tackle, playing right tackle. Yeah. 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 Pretty crazy. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about this, uh, this game, um, the Browns Bengals game Mm -hmm. first off. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, let's talk about the the weather first because it's, um, you know, watching it on TV, you know, it really didn't look like the weather was that bad. Um, you know, but, but apparently it must have been a monsoon from the way the guys were throwing the football and couldn't nobody could, you know, a lot of guys were um, not able to catch it and, and everything else. So, um, you know what this reminded me of? This Go reminded ahead, me of the first time we get an inch of snow on the roads in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. I mean, something like that. Yeah, yeah. This was a cluster. I mean, guys been practicing in ideal conditions and you get a little bit of moisture on the ball, and pretty soon it's like everybody forgets how to play football. You know, yeah. um, this this game was was other than the fact that you know we ultimately dominated Cincinnati in the game. I mean, 
it was a real snooze fest. I mean, there was 17 combined punts by the two teams. <laughs> when was the yeah, last time we like saw that's 17 we combined punts? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not actually, you know, ratings, you know, drive, a big ratings driver right there. Right. <laughs> yeah, Jeff. So, Jeff, you're in Cleveland, I assume. I know Rod said he's in Dayton. Yeah. So you knew, yeah, it was raining. So, like, I was just to be, I guess, a uh, man on the ground near the stadium. I didn't go to the game, but I was in the Muni lot tailgating the whole week, the whole morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess as far as how the weather was, I mean, it wasn't the craziest rain ever, but the thing was in the morning it was misty the whole time. So I don't know if the players were warming up and it, the rain didn't seem like it was going to be an issue, but that rain literally started hitting like consistently like 10 minutes before kickoff. So like <laughs> that rain did not stop at all. Like, yeah. And I think maybe mentally they were all like, oh, crap. I thought we were going to have like a drizzle. But no, it turned into just not crazy rain. It wasn't a monsoon by any means. But it was raining constantly the whole first half that I was in the Muni lot watching the game in the parking lot. It didn't stop. Um, That's just the only perspective I have from that. Um, But it it just there was no break. So imagine if, if that happened and it was 40 degrees. Yeah, but it was not the worst weather I've ever been around in a Cleveland uh, game. Like, yeah. there's way worse games I've been to that I've seen better offense. Right. Yeah. It was it was crazy how ill prepared they all were for the weather conditions. Yeah, neither quarterback could throw the ball in the first half. Right. Hey, um, but we did carry the crap wild. out of the ball, so I guess from a coaching standpoint, we did an adjustment to say, well, Deshaun's just John fumbled, you know. Let's let's just give it to them because what like Jerome Ford, even though he didn't do well, he had 15 carries still. So <laughs> we, we were running it. Yeah, that that's really yeah. the, the, the surprising story of the game is that, you know, we turned the ball over twice. We lost the turnover battle two to nothing and we still managed to blow the Bengals out. I mean, that doesn't happen in the NFL. Well, it happens when you have a stifling defense that just absolutely just shuts the other team down. And and that's what they did. I mean, right. uh, yeah. you know, Joe Burrow completed 14 passes for 82 yards. You know, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, Jamar Chase, uh, congratulations. He had five receptions for 39 yards. Um, the rest of the receivers had next to nothing. Um you know, and, and right. Joe Mixon ran for 56 yards on 13 carries. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, their offense was just non-existent. Um, the, the pressure from the Browns' defensive line and just, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to even say about this defense. We haven't seen defense like this in Cleveland in, in a long time. And it was in crappy conditions that um, – you know, when it's wet out there and stuff, that's that's supposed that should favor the offense, right, guys? I mean, when guys are running the ball and things like that. Usually, yeah. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. But I mean, I what I guess the Bengals have a slightly heavier pass attack, so maybe it favors us a little if you were to do mm-hmm. it from offense versus offense. Yeah. But um, defense still has things like in a in a league where the offense is favored and gets away with more, like all it takes is a corner to slip for a guy to get wide open. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was really the pat pass rush. I mean, and and I thought the Bengals pass rush as well. I mean, there was that I think I texted you at halftime, Rod, that and this was a clinic about how to pressure the 
the opposing quarterback and, and, you know, as a defense really limit the offense's opportunities that way. Um, so yeah, it, it was, it was fun to watch that. Um, but <laughs> not fun to watch the two offenses struggle. Oh, and, and you, and you said it during the game, Jeff, I mean, um, you know, really, really what happened was um, exactly that. The two defenses really dominated the game early. Yeah. And the Browns wore the Bengals' defense down in that second half with the run. Right. And the the Bengals' they, defense yeah. was out there a lot. They were, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the time of possession, but I think the Browns were pushing pushing 40 minutes in this the Bengals, game. So. Yeah, the Bengals kept, kept you know— going three and out and, and giving the ball back to us. And, you know, we were running the ball and, and it, yeah, there, you, you, I think by the probably early in the third quarter, maybe even before halftime, the Bengals defense was pretty well gassed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's how the Browns scored 24 points. Is, is Time of possession. We had, of we had, we had almost 12 more minutes of possession. So almost a whole quarter. Of more, of more possession. Than yeah, that. that explains all the carries I was talking about. Yeah, we just yeah we um, didn't throw. We're just like you know what if we're not going to get yards and the offense is going to suck, let's get all the forty whatever seconds per play. Yeah, twenty one first downs for us, six for them. Yeah, I mean, that that tells the tale right there. That's wearing out a defense. <laughs> yes, and you know Nick, Nick Chubb just. Uh, just a typical Nick Chubb day. Nothing, you know, nothing extremely flashy. Not the uh, didn't have the big touchdown run, but 18 carries for for 106. Um, and Jerome Ford, guys, uh, um, you know, Ross said 15 carries, um, not a high average, but he had that fumble early, and mm-hmm. and he really recovered nicely from that because um, I I think. At one point, I remember looking at his stats, and he he had like five carries, thirty-two yards. So he had a stretch there where he was very effective. And then I think at the end of the game, the Bengals were kind of keying on him because they knew he was getting the ball. Well, that, um, yeah, that's all we were doing was we were just killing clock. We were yeah, so the ball, and he was he was just you know killing clock and getting tackled. So, I yeah, I throw out you know the yards per carry thing for him because of that. Yeah, his um his you know his first other other than the fumble those those first five ten carries I think he did he did pretty well, um look look pretty decent. Right. Yeah, I still find it so funny how much we take Nick Chubb for granted. Like, oh yeah, you know he just had it. He did all right day, 106 yards. He averaged 5.8 yards a carry, and we're acting like it's just we're just used to it. We're spoiled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's, it's not just normal an, to it's like just average Nick that Chubb many day. yards per carry and be like it's just another Nick Chubb day. Yeah. I mean, he just does that, and and I don't think people, I don't think he even noticed because he didn't have a fifty-yard run. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just what he does. But yeah, but yeah, look at it. he's on pace for like eighteen hundred yards for the season based on <laughs> based on that type of performance. Yeah. You know, um, it, it's incredible. So um, so yeah, uh, so so let let's um. We've gone over some of the individual stuff, so so let me go to you guys and get some of your your thoughts as far as uh, um, Ross. We'll start with you. What? <laughs> it could be any number of things. So what was what was the turning point in this game, or you know some of the some of the big plays you think that kind of um, 
I mean, obviously the Miles sack on fourth down was, you know, kind of sealed things. But that was the nail in the coffin. I would coffin. say that was the yeah. nail. But yeah, what, yeah, that's what like other later stuff in the game. Out? But mine was kind of yeah. early, so like, I gotta say, like Deshaun Watson's touchdown run for me was just because it showed, like, you know what? Even if he wasn't perfect in this game, if he just can use his legs and show what he can do with them, that's gonna be such a difference maker for us. Um, and that touchdown of it was the designed quarterback run and it worked perfectly. And I could just only imagine that's just like a very, very small preview of the full playbook that we're going to be seeing with him and Nick Chubb on the field at the same time. Like there's going to be a point where defenses don't know if they're supposed to chase Chubb or if Deshaun's going to do like a fake handoff and run it himself. I just think that like between play action, um, the, you know, handoffs to Chubb, little decoy. I don't know. Like, the run game's going to be really scary for opposing defenses. And that play working might have set up a whole bunch of plans for, you know, the Bengals' defensive coordinators. Like, oh, crap, if they're going to do that, what do we do? I don't know. It just seemed like a really big moment. And it was earlier in the game yeah. where it could have – I thought Deshaun was going to be doing more – I thought the offense was going to start clicking a little more, but we I think we made up our mind on what we were going to do as far as – game plan just run the clock run the ball protect it yeah so so before we go any further with this um jeff i want to bring you in on this because that play is a play that jacoby Brissett um scored on last season and i think deshaun watson scored on it last season too but i want to clarify to see if either you guys know whether whether they're coming whether they were coming out of the exact same set or not you know with the with the three receivers on the right um just just kind of curious if you guys remember that or not but it's definitely the same designed rollout to you know to the right right um yeah and i think last year when when jacoby did that um i mean he he made it but not with a lot to spare right and I think oh, I he, he, had a, he had a guy or two right on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he had I to think, muscle his way in. I made the comment to you at that point that, you know, the, the, dif- the difference was that, you know, if Deshaun Watson executes that play the same way, he makes it easily. Um, well, I mean, he didn't really make it easily, but it, it was a lot easier than it was for Jacoby. So he's yeah, done that, it twice think, so far. So, yeah. Right. I, I think that's a play that is is almost unstoppable. Yeah, I think so because you got to figure somebody's probably open over on the other side of the field too, because mm-hmm. he got three receivers over there, you know. Right. So if he's getting a lot of pressure, he's probably going to be able to find somebody open because that means yeah. that they're rushing too many guys. Um, you know, they got somebody in single coverage, and he's probably going to find somebody in the end zone. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So this this was just a crazy game, Rod, from the standpoint that I mean I know the Browns were only up ten nothing at halftime, but you you kind of felt like the Bengals were done at halftime, you know that, that unless something really changed at the beginning of the second half, and the Browns came out and went immediately went three and out after the second you know se- <laughs> after halftime. We're and thinking, like, here we go again. Yeah, I'm like what the hell? And now the Bengals are going to come down and score it, and and they went three and out. And it's yeah. like, okay. Um, but I, for me, I think the, the, the really what sent the white flag up for the Bengals was when um, Evan McPherson missed that second field goal. Um, mm-hmm. You could just kind of see the wind go out of their sails. It's like, 
okay, we're not, we're getting three points today. We're done. Uh, you know, so they were, yeah. they were down significantly at that point. I, I forget what the score was. It was like, you know, 13 to nothing or 13 to three or something. And, and, yeah. you know, they just said, okay, we're just not getting, and I don't remember the last time, you know, I saw a game where a team raised the white flag that early. Um, you know, there's, when, when Miles got that fourth down sack, um, there's like five or six minutes left in the game. And they were done. Yeah. Yeah. And they just, and, they were, yeah, you could tell. I mean, um, from coaches, it, it players, was what, everybody. 16 to three at that point. That was yeah. before the Browns scored it. An, before yeah. they scored again, I believe. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, what, how, whatever it was, but. Um, yeah, it, it was pretty NFL shocking. Team do that, you know, where where they just said, "Okay, we're done." <laughs> yeah, it's actually it was sixteen to three with uh, ten and a half minutes left. Yeah, jeez. I had like I had the clip saved on my phone, so I just looked it up real quick. Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> I mean, yeah, anything that's... can happen in the NFL. You play, you know, you play till the end. I mean, and, and Bengals weren't they? Yeah. They, they were on well, their way. They were on their way to the bus. I mean, only thing I can think is, you know, I mean, Joe, they kept showing Joe Burrow on the sideline, flexing his leg and his knee and stuff. And maybe they were just afraid he's going to get hurt. You know, um, maybe that's why they pulled him. Uh, but, yeah, it, it really just felt like they gave up on the game. Um, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's 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 as as easy as a win. Um you know, as we've seen, I don't know, since Halloween, Jeff? Yeah, since Halloween last year. And there were a lot of similarities <laughs> in these two games. Yeah. I yeah. just, I think when the Browns can can put pressure on Joe Burrow, I, I think Kansas City showed that. I think a lot of other teams have shown that, that when you can put pressure on Joe Burrow and wear down their offensive line, um, that's the formula. Um, you know, if, if, if you can stick to the receivers in man coverage and put pressure on Burrow, they don't have an answer. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, I want to get your thoughts on Elijah Moore. He had, I think five touches. I'm not sure how many targets he had. He had three catches. Um, I think he led the Browns in receiving yards, if I'm not mistaken. He, yeah, he him or Nick, yeah, he led them in receiving yards, I think, with three catches. Nick Chubb had four catches. Um, and Elijah Moore had the two carries for 19 yards. So he had five touches. Um, just kind of curious what you guys thought of that. And to me, it's probably a little bit um, of the weather. I think he, he's probably going to get a couple more touches than that in a, in a regular game. So just kind of, you know, and – where it's where they're throwing the ball a little bit more. I uh, just kind of wonder what you guys thought. So what do you think, Ross? Oh, uh, you know what I think it is. So Elijah Moore is kind of known on the jets last year for being a little bit of a diva and whining. I feel like this was a coaching move. Hey, we're going to make you feel confident. We're going to give you touches. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy. We gave him two running touches. I think one running touch would have gave him tons of confidence, but the fact that Stefanski gave him two, he's saying, Hey, I believe in you. We traded for you because we think you're a star. We're not going to treat you like you did on the Jets. And when you have, like, let's say, I'll call him a diva when he was on the Jets, but if you have a diva and you make him happy, there's been a lot of divas in the NFL that when you make them happy, they play their heart out, they turn into a superstar. So I think 
I think it had more to do with, hey, we're going to make you a part of this offense. You're not just going to be like our number three receiver. Like we want you to be our guy. We're going to use you creatively. And you're not just going to be a receiver that's going to occasionally get the ball, even with Amari Cooper on the team. Go ahead, Jeff. Any thoughts? I was a little disappointed in Elijah Moore. I thought he'd be a little bit more of a factor, but um, yeah, it was good to see him, you know, try to use, utilize him in some different ways. And, you know, hopefully that sets up some things in future games. Um, but it was just a terrible day for, you know, all, all the pass catchers in general. I mean, David Bell had a ball bounce off his hands. Um, I mean, yeah. Deshaun Watson was throwing knuckleballs everywhere. Um, and there's so, a dirt a lot of them, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, he, you know, he reminded me of Tom Candiotti and, and, you know. He doesn't look any worse than Burrow did, the, though. The yeah. poor catcher back there with a, you know, glove the size of a trash can lid and still couldn't <laughs> stop it, you know. So, um, yeah, so, I, I don't know. We, hopefully we see better conditions Monday night and we get, get a better read on, you know, our passing attack because – it did yeah. not look good in that game. Yeah, no, it didn't. Um, I mean, Deshaun threw for 154 yards. Um, yeah, you like to think he can do a little bit better than that. <laughs> so yeah, we, we so thought yeah, he'd go. Hoping. We thought he'd throw for 200 yards and, and rush for yeah. 50. He rushed for 45. Um, he could have rushed for more. Um, I think yeah. that was there all day, but he he was forcing some passes, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, the one that he, he had intercepted, he, he probably could have made, you know, five or ten positive yards on if he just kept running, you know. So, yeah. I don't know. There's still not a lot of comfort on the offense, I think. They're still trying to piece it together. Yeah, so the defense, I'm mean, go back to the defense because the defense was incredible. And I know the defensive line was, was in Burroughs' face all day. Man, the the defensive backs and you know uh, the guy who I kept seeing was was uh, M J Emerson on T Higgins and he just yeah he just shut him down all day. Um, T Higgins did not have a reception. Um, yeah, you know, but, it's nice. but I, yeah, everybody played well, but but Emerson was just I mean he was incredible in this game. And then I saw the uh, I saw the that. Um, that Grant Delpit actually had the highest PFF score for this game. So um, I'll be honest, I didn't, you know, Grant Delpit didn't stand out as much to me in this game as some other players. So I don't know what you guys thought about Delpit or, you know, or anybody else. I mean, to me, I mean, the whole freaking team played well. Delpit by far had his best game as a Brown. Um, And for me, the reason was decisiveness. Mm-hmm. He he knew where to be, and he was able to make an impact as a result. Um, that was his biggest issue last year was indecision. And I think this this coaching staff has put him in a position where he doesn't have as many responsibilities maybe, and and he just he knows where he needs to be. Um, and yeah, he, it was it was his best game by far. Um, Denzel got caught once tugging on the jersey. It was it was yeah. a, a good call, um, but otherwise I thought he played a, a typical Denzel Ward type of game um, yeah. where you know he just wasn't having any of it. Um, so yeah. all in all, yeah, the, the the secondary looked looked really stout. Yeah, you can't yeah. really disagree with that. I mean, 
as much as I could just take the lazy observation and be like, you know what? Joe Burrow threw for 82 yards. He's a top three quarterback. So obviously the secondary did something great. And it wasn't because we got a whole bunch of sacks. We got a lot of pressure on him. Right. And he's actually like one of the best quarterbacks in the league, or if not the best at completion percentage on blitzes. So we blitzed and made it work. So I guess at the end of the day, it really comes down to Jim Schwartz coming with a good plan and trusting that secondary. I agree with both of you. The secondary was the reason, um, but I'm not going to, our D line definitely brought the pressure as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, they did. And you guys know, I, I looked up the, the penalties for this game and the Browns, um, the Browns had four penalties for 20 yards and the Bengals had five penalties for 43 and the Bengals are at least the past few years have been one of the least penalized teams in the league um, because whatever, I'm not going to get in penalties. Um, right. But, but to me, that's just, it's just positive. It is so good to start the season off with a game where the Browns only had four penalties called. And I'll, I'll just leave it at that. So, um, yeah. but to have less penalties than, than the Bengals who, uh, you know, who I think have been right up there as, as one of the least penalized teams in the league, that that's, that's an achievement. It really is. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, we've complained about it a long time, Rod, and, and, Getting that number down, you know, if we, we're kind of used to seeing eight, nine, ten or more penalties by the Browns yeah. in a game. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Big. That's that's a sign of huge progress and and organizationally, you know, guys knowing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, and I think people need to give Andrew Barry some credit. Um, I just. I, Andrew Barry, this this draft class, and you know, not drafting a guy till the third round, and not a lot of guys, um, not a lot of draft picks. I don't, I don't think contributed in the first game, uh, other than Dewan Jones. But um, you know, he put this team together. Um, you know, and he's I'm sure was instrumental in bringing in uh, Jim Schwartz too, probably along with Stefanski and the other guys. So. Uh, so yeah, it's I I just see people talking about Andrew Barry and, and you know the fact that he you know that some of his draft picks aren't good in this and I'm like what are you guys talking about? Man, he <laughs> brought this team back to to life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um I don't know how anybody can think he hasn't done a great job. We don't have a lot of homegrown um starters on this team. I mean, we have you know, four or five big time high picks, right? Um, but it's not like this team was really put together through, you know, round one and round two picks. Yeah, yeah. There's there's been a lot of guys added other ways, and and that's what a GM's supposed to do. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you can you can knock him for for whiffing in the draft, but every GM whiffs in the draft. That's what what do you yeah, do yeah. about it when you whiff? How do you how do you backfill? And he's great at backfilling. He's done an awesome job at that. Yeah, he he's always got somebody ready. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, just I mean, just eh. there are still a lot of guys on this team who he drafted. Um, you know, so. Uh, so yeah, I mean, look at the the corners and and uh, 
you know, some linebackers and, and, uh, I guess a few other guys, <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> you know, a lot of the depth pieces. So, um, so yeah, I just, I just think, I, I just think it, when you look at, at a, a GM, you have to look beyond just the draft, you know, the draft is like the lottery, you know, um, the rest of the, the rest of building the team is like, is like, you know, if you're thinking of your family and your family's buying lottery tickets here and there, but they're also budgeting month to month, you know, and 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 creating money to be able to go out and buy these free agents and 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 everything else. I mean, he does a great job collectively on all of that stuff. And and that's really what being a GM is about. You know, you, you can't just look at the draft picks and but if you do, if you want to. Have at it because I think you could compare Andrew Barry's draft picks to anybody if you're looking at where he picked. Now you can't compare his third round pick to somebody else's <laughs> first round pick, right. right? That's just not that's just not right. equal. So yeah. Anyways, anyways. So no, but yeah, he's he's definitely excellent at knowing how a combination of free agency works, the draft, and cap space maneuvering and i think obviously the league's on notice because uh what the gm for the vikings they took from us mm-hmm. and it just right. seems like everyone's like wondering wait how do you always find ways to like well i guess a good example is so jack conklin's deal we signed him to a four-year deal and he's injury prone he gets injured right now i'm not freaking out about it being a bad contract because i know there's some magic he did with the contract to still keep this roster competent for the next several years so the, whatever yeah. he's doing, it's like, it's not just drafting. You can mess it up on drafts, but he's really, really good at finding pieces to fill the void in free agency. I think free agencies is like, is where he really, really shines and combine that with his salary cap magic. Mm-hmm. Free agency and, um, I mean, and you can almost add uh, undrafted free agents to that too over mm-hmm. the past, uh, well, past year or two, right? So I mean he's been able to bring some guys in. So so yeah, he's um I think overall I, Oh, and I guess know. the other thing to say is like um anytime he realizes, oh crap, we have a good player here, um, pay them a little bit more. Who cares? Because it's better to keep a player that's average or above average than just lose them and have a crappy player on your roster. Like we got a lot of crap yeah. for signing David Njoku for more than what he's was worth. That doesn't look like that big a deal. We signed almost every single one of our offensive tackles, all, all the starters actually, and mm-hmm. it's working out. Like we still have the cap space, we still have a roster. Like he doesn't second guess signing good players, which is really important to do. A lot of GMs panic because they're worried about, you know, will this player be good the next four years? Don't worry about it. They're good now. Keep them. Right, and and Jeff's made the point that that really goes to the Haslam's, you know, and their their willingness mm-hmm. to to fork out some cash to pay these these uh, you know when the contracts are converted to bonus money, right, um, and void years and things like that to to shell out the cash to to let things kind of to roll and and to help the uh, the cap space. So, um, so yeah, I mean yeah. It, it's a great partnership. Have you guys seen that? Um, there's that one guy. I think he. Does he writes for the OBR Jack Duffin? Yeah, yeah. He does Jack's like really good, good articles on that. um the cap space. I mm-hmm. found out from someone that uh, he's actually from the UK, and he became a Browns fan because he saw the 
crazy stuff that was going on with the Eagles with what they were doing with cap stuff. And then we mm-hmm. signed him as Andrew Barry as our GM. And that's how we like became a Browns fan. Cause he followed that stuff so closely. So there's, there's a lot of stuff going on there that like, I think the everyday fan doesn't realize with roster building. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Fortunately, we don't need to know all that stuff. Yeah. Good. Yes. Leave that, <laughs> leave that to the nerds. Yeah, right? there, there was a time when we had to try to figure that stuff out, but now we're at a point where we know these guys are so much smarter than us. Right. We don't even have to worry about it. Yeah. Exactly. We don't have to worry about the cap with this team. We just, we just kind of look at the roster. You know, we can speculate on who they're going to keep and stuff, you know, at, you know, when they're going down to the 53 and things like that. But otherwise, it's like, yeah, all right. They'll figure out the money part of it and the contract part of it. And, and, and we know that that doesn't really make a difference in coming to the 53. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to figure it out. They just are. So, yep. so guys, we got uh, we got what would normally be just a huge game, and, and it really is a big game. It, it's a big game for the Browns, um, you know, uh, coming up, and um, it's Monday night. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the – I'm trying to remember the schedule. Is this the only primetime game the Browns get this year, or is there one more? Yep. We have a Thursday in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, we might the Jets, have well, t- tentatively, we have the Jets on December 28th on Thursday night. Uh, that could be. Who knows, who knows out, what's going to happen there? Yeah. So, yeah, as of right now, um, this is the only one we know for sure we're going to get, you know, unless they push us to a Sunday night or something potentially. So, right. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, this is the only one we, we know for sure. So, uh, so, yeah, so um, the Browns play the Steelers Monday night. Um, Steelers uh, got their butts kicked by the 49ers, 30-7. Um, to 7. Uh, Kenny Pickett, um, 31 completions out of 46 pass attempts for, <laughs> um, for 232 yards. And um, 31 completions for 232 yards. What's that work out to, guys? Like eight yards of freaking catch? Dink and dunk. <laughs> yeah, eight yards or so. Um, just doing a quick math there. I think it's even yeah. less than that. It's like seven, isn't it? Uh, so um, Najee Harris. Um, yeah, this is, yeah. Six carries for 31 yards. <laughs> um, I don't know if he got hurt or if they were just, I think the uh, 49ers went up pretty quick in this game. and They, they just didn't even try to run the ball. Yeah. Um, Allen Robinson led them in receiving five catches, 64 yards. Um, San Francisco sacked Kenny Pickett five times. Um, and, uh, but it's all good because TJ Watt got his three sacks. So, right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, Christian McCaffrey, 22 rushes, 152 yards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, who's a better pure runner, uh, Christian McCaffrey or Nick Chubb? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, pure runner, Nick Chubb. Yes. McCaffrey just can do it all. He can do it all. Yeah. No, yeah, we can't say anything bad about McCaffrey. No, not at all. So, um, so yeah, so the Steelers are a little bit uh, banged up, which, um, you know, I don't like to see guys hurt, but these guys will be back, so so it's okay. Um, Cam Hayward um, has a groin injury that's going to keep him out for several weeks, it sounds like, so he's going to miss the game. Deontay Johnson has a has a hammy 
he's going to miss the game. And they got some other guys, uh, like four other guys that are banged up, which are probably day to day. I don't know if they're going to going to play or not, but um, two of their two of their bigger stars so um, are out for Monday night. Um, yeah, so so sounds like an easy game, right, guys? <laughs> yeah, cakewalk. We're going into we're going into their uh, stadium. We're just gonna do work, win. I mean, yeah. we're I, it's all positive vibes for me. I mean, we we're lucky. This is a what last year we started one to know as well, which was rare. We're doing it again, so there's, yeah. there's no reason we won't win. Right. I mean, things set up well. I mean, Jeff, let's get your thoughts. Well, I think the the last time the Steelers lost on Monday night, Chuck Knoll was the coach or something. Um, so, like 50 I'm not years gonna, ago, I'm not going to look past this game. Um, no, I can't. But it's just too hard for us to go into Pittsburgh and get a win. Um, you know, we, we haven't done it in the regular season in forever. Um, I, I'm not really scared by this Pittsburgh team. I'm I'm more scared by the the mystique of Monday night football in Pittsburgh. And, you know, what will the Browns attitude be toward this game? Are we are we full of ourselves now because we thumped the Bengals? And, you know, are we are we going to look past the Steelers? Uh, it, it's the classic trap game, I think, that, you know, we can get smacked around if if we're not really prepared for this. But I mean, we've got enough guys who have been there done that with us now that they should know better um yeah and all the vets that we have on this team now should should realize that you know hey you got to take it week to week um but that's really the only thing that concerns me about the Steelers I think from a from a roster standpoint um coaching standpoint you know Mike Tomlin does a great job of motivating his players um and getting in the heads of the opponents um but I think he's playing, you know, a few cards short um, and, and hoping to draw to an inside straight um, coming up against this Browns defense with Kenny Pickett and the gang. So I think this is a winnable game as long as the Browns take care of business the way they should. Yeah, I mean, couple things if Kenny Pickett throws the ball 46 times against this defense um, (laughs) may God have mercy on his soul because he's going to get sacked about eight times and the Browns are going to have about three picks yeah yeah I just I just just don't see that happening Um, yeah but you talk about the mystique Jeff and and we have to see what happens because there have been plenty of games where the Browns have been the better team, but when they go in to play the Steelers in Pittsburgh, it's like Tomlin could dress up, you know, 11 old ladies out of the stands and the Browns <laughs> would be the ones that looked like they were our sisters of the Holy Cross, you know, at their plan. Um, yep. you know, not the Steelers. That's right. So, so the Browns have to be the ones imposing their will and, and, and get over that that mystique of the you know of the seventy five steel curtain, um, right? You know, and, and realize that that they're the better team, and it doesn't matter where you're playing that they can beat this team on any field. Um, 
you know, and, and just not let them get in their heads. Because I think if they do that and just play the defense, you know, if they play anywhere near the defense they played against the Bengals, I don't see how the Steelers can score more than 10 points in this game with the offense they have. Right. And, and the Browns should certainly be able to put up a few points. So, you know, I just I just don't see, you know, unless the unless they just let the Steelers get to them. I don't see anything else happening. Um, hmm. it, I just don't get it. I mean, um I, I yeah. don't know what else to say. So <laughs> not too much. Yeah, I just have a lot. I before the season I had tons of faith in our defense. Um this D line's what I really expected to be the superstars. But I think what um we kind of saw week one is remember last year all the hype going into our secondary and how they kind of disappointed? We still have the yeah. same exact secondary. They're you're still really young. So the only thing they, they could do is get better. And they they proved that they got better and they worked in the offseason. So um with what I think is the D line that's going to start the show up the most of the season, if the secondary is going to be like it was Week One, and our D line is going to be the way it is, where Miles Garrett should get double team less because if you don't double team him, someone else on that D line is going to get to the quarterback. Um, that a lot of opposing teams are going to have problems. I'm going to stick to that until we do lose. I get to be very cocky when we're one to zero. It doesn't happen much. <laughs> you might as well enjoy it, right, Ross? That's yeah. right. So I'm yes. I'm riding it like it. I might be a little more uh, pessimistic, but I rarely get to be this optimistic this early in the season. Yeah. So um, one thing we didn't touch on is uh, the Juan Thornhill injury, and I'll be honest with you guys, I didn't look at this. I don't know. Hmm. Might be might be too early in the week to have any clue as to right to his status. I I think that's probably where we stand, but I would love to have him active for this game. Mm -hmm. I think it's the kind of game that, that he could act, you know, absolutely uh, just thrive in. Yeah. Um, You know, if the, if the Browns could, um, you know, get into any kind of a lead and, and force Kenny Pickett to start throwing the ball, you know, I just, I think he's just waiting to make his mark as a big time safety for the Browns. Yep, agree. Uh, so, so we'll hope for that. And it's not that I don't have faith in the guys that are out there. I mean, they they played their asses off, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I think Juan Thornhill, when he gets out there, he's going to be. Um, I just think you know, I mean, he just from seeing him in the preseason, he's going to be a beast. He's going to be a difference maker for sure. So yeah. Um, yeah, and, and just real quick before we before we uh, give some predictions, it's it's an unfortunate part of the season, guys. These these damn injuries. Um, you know, the the Browns have been. Uh, you know, other than eh, I can't even say they've been fortunate. They lost their their right tackle, so Jack Conklin goes down. He's gone. Um, the the Aaron Rodgers injury just sucked. You know, um, it, you know, I was talking to somebody and it's like, you got to give these guys credit for how tough they are. I mean, Aaron Rodgers gets sacked, ruptures his Achilles and he stands back up. He's yeah. standing there thinking about Ray going. And then he sits back down. I'm thinking, oh, he must have he must have tweaked something. No, he's got a, a ruptured Achilles and he's like <laughs> yeah. thinking about whether he should pl- continue to play or not. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, but it's just it's awful that um, that that happened to him. Um, you know, I I don't know what's coming for the rest of his career. I guess we'll just have to watch. Um, you know, see if he's going to make a comeback or not. Um, and we aren't Ravens fans, guys, but um, J.K. Dobbins, um, I feel for that guy too. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Ohio State guy. Um, we just don't root for injuries. Um, you know, a guy who's been injured, um, fights his way back, gets out there, um, scores a touchdown. And I wasn't watching the game, but I saw him score the touchdown. Then I heard later that he that he tore his Achilles too, I guess. Right? So Yeah. Um, he yeah. got landed on the wrong way. It wasn't like – wasn't one of those like, oh, he just took a weird move and re-injured something he had. It, like, it just bad luck again. Yeah. That's just yeah. Well, it, it's part of football. It just stinks, and and um, you know, I, I guess neither one of those injuries probably have anything to do with how often a guy plays in preseason. Yep. It's just uh, they're probably just both fluky things. Um, it, it's just uh, it's just an unfortunate part of the game. So just kind of yeah. wanted to acknowledge those guys and and Conklin and and um, I'm sure I'm probably missing some other guys who went down too. But uh, any any person going on the IR after week one is just like the worst thing about football. <laughs> at least at least get a few games in before something like that happens. It is. They, you got oh, you got yeah. these guys that that just um, you know especially guys who are coming back from other injuries and stuff. You just feel just feel horrible for them. Um, and, yeah. and there was just such a buildup with Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets and that. So, um, yeah, I, I feel for him, definitely. So Football is a war of attrition. That's why you need a GM who can backfill. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. So, guys, this, uh, this line for the Steelers and the Browns, it, it's moving quickly. Yeah, the Steelers I think started out as a as a one as a one point favorite in this game, and and last I you know I pulled up and saw the Browns as a one and a half point favorite, but um, but um, um, my son Ethan he he saw it as two and a half point favorite for the Browns, so I guess it depends where you look. So I don't know what you guys are looking. Yeah, at, I saw so. one and a half yesterday. I haven't looked today yet. Um, and the over under, I think, is, out there and stuff. Yeah, there's different apps, um, different places. So, um, so I got the Browns one and a half, but I think it's probably gone up from there. And the over under was forty two and a half, and I think that's dropped to like thirty nine or something, thirty nine and a half, something like that. So, um, so I, I don't know. I don't know if we want to. Uh, we'll just keep those numbers. And we'll just go based off. Yeah. That. So, um, so anyways, uh, let, let's go back to last week first. Um, last week, um, I had the Browns winning twenty-four to three. Oh no, twenty-four to thirteen. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> yeah, twenty-four to thirteen. I just, I just, I gave the Bengals too much credit. Uh, Jeff had him winning twenty four or twenty three to twenty, and All right. uh, and Zach had the Browns plus two and a half. He didn't give a specific score, so so we all had it right. Um, I, I was a little closer than Jeff on the final score, but um, but 
but just for Jeff and I to be right on the victor is, is something <laughs> worth noting. Because last season we we missed almost every single pick we made. Yeah. It seemed like that's, the only time the only, the only time the Browns won was when we picked against them. I think right. Right. which won very often, but yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm betting the Browns until they lose because this is rare. Uh, it's kind and of it worked out for me. Yeah. That's what I did. I didn't do. I didn't do a spread bet. I just did a money line bet, and it it paid off for me. Okay. So so Ross, what? Um, let's get a final score prediction, and just um, I, well, just a final score prediction because that'll tell us whether you're going with the over or under. And then if you want to throw in any player predictions or anything like that, that's um, that's certainly allowed too, but not a requirement of the show. All right. So. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming the weather will be slightly better and not constantly raining. So if our offense with, hey, a competent kicker, that helps a little bit. When he when he makes what? He made four field goals? Um, or do you make three three or four? Wait, uh, yeah, four. So I think um, if we get one more touchdown, I'm going to say we will score 24 points again, but this time it will be three touchdowns and one field goal. And the Steelers will, I'm saying 24 to 14. Keeping it low. Because if we're going to be ahead, they're not going to kick field goals. They're going to have to go for it on fourth down and stuff like that. Taking and the then, under. Yeah. So that would, that would put so, me, yeah, 24 plus 14. Yeah, I'm on the under then. So yeah. You got them on the under. Yeah. Browns, uh, same amount of points. Steelers are 14. Okay. Um, yeah, any player predictions? Anything you want to throw out there? Anything uh, interesting you think might happen in the game? Anything interesting? Um, I think we're still going to see... I, I don't I don't have FanDuel up or anything, but I would take the under on whatever they're guessing Deshaun will throw. I think he's still going to keep it low. We're going to be conservative. And just if you see the... The prop bet of Nick Chubb for over 100 yards, just do it again because we've all seen that stat where the Browns win when Nick Chubb rushes for over 100 yards. So if I'm predicting a win, just double down on the bet of him getting over 100 yards. And you know what I did last week? I bet on the Browns to win, and I bet the Nick Chubb to get over 100 yards and hit both of them. So It's a safe bet. That's a pretty safe bet. If you're going to bet the Browns <laughs> to win, bet for Nick Chubb to rush for over 100. You'll exactly. probably get a couple bucks. Well, if yep. you do that every week, you're going to probably And if you bet well. the Browns to lose, do not bet the under on whatever Nick Chubb's supposed to do that day. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, Jeff, um, what do you have for us? Well, as I was sitting here writing numbers down, I, I came up with your score from last week, Rod. So I, I think I can't do that. So... You can. I mean, yeah, I, I, don't I, I haven't done that yet. I don't want to do that. Um, so, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go crazy. I'm gonna I'm gonna say um, that the Browns are gonna win, 27 to nine. I'm obviously taking Man. the under. Um, I think that that they're gonna be in this game from the start, just like they were in Cincinnati, and I'm counting on the coaching staff to make that happen. Um. And I think what's going to make this game lopsided is the defense is going to score. They're going to they're going to give us six points somehow, some way. Nice. Okay, I like it. So you're under. 
I'm going to go under, but not by a lot. And and I wrote down the score actually just before you were giving your score, Jeff. So I just, um, but man, it's pretty close to what you said. But um, yeah, I I got the Browns. I've got the Browns just a little bit bigger. Um, I think I think the Browns are going to score 30 points in this game, and I think I think one of the touchdowns will be on defense. Um, they're going to score on defense in this game, for sure. Um, I got them one to thirty to ten. I just don't see this Steelers offense putting up much of a fight in this game. I just don't. So uh, is that is that an overrun? You said at thirty nine and a half, right? Mm, I had the over under at forty two point five still. Forty two point five. Okay, but well, I'm I'm willing to go 5. with whatever over under you guys want. No, that's fine. Forty two point five. So we're, we're all with the under. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, still with the under. Um, I I just think um, yeah, I think the Browns are going. I think this is going to be another statement game, just because because of the the injuries the the Steelers have. I just I just don't think they're going to have enough, and I think this is going to be um, just a little bit of a, a change. And um, I don't know if it. I mean, you can't change the guard in one game. You know, Pittsburgh's been a been a playoff team and stuff for for forever but this is going to be a statement game for the browns um it's going to be another game where the browns won't get any credit because the steelers had a couple guys out okay (laughs) you're gonna say well the browns won but right so and so was out and so and so was out maybe they have a couple other guys out so people are just gonna say well the browns caught him at the right time (laughs) you know right but but yeah i think um I, th- I think definitely, I mean, Ross is right. Nick Chubb's going to run. He might get a, you know, he might get a touchdown or two in this game, but he'll get his hundred yards. And, um, I think they probably will be somewhat conservative in the past, but, um, but if they get an early lead, look for him to open it up a little bit. Um, kind of depends how, how successful Pittsburgh is in rushing the quarterback without Cam Hayward out there to, to plug up that middle. You know, and how successful they are in keeping uh, T.J. Watt out of out of Deshaun's face. So, yeah. so we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, I just um, I, I just feel like the Browns are going to be able to to put up uh, another good game here. So, got a good feeling about it. Yeah, me too. So. That's that's what a welcome change. Yeah, yeah. But again, we're not. Uh, we we hope and and uh, probably know that the Browns are not going to take the Steelers lightly. There's no reason to, because um, we we know the history. We know what happens when they go into Pittsburgh. So um, yeah. hopefully they're going to go in there and just play their game. And if they do, um, it should be a good game for the Browns. So all right. So uh, we've been going for a while here. So. Uh, so Ross, we didn't get to talk about your socks. So why don't you give, give some info about those? Yeah. So and, and the main then, reason uh, that happened, um, I noticed no one was uh, producing the socks that the Browns wear on the field. Like I looked, I tried buying them like legally and the right way to do it, like officially licensed. But there's not even officially licensed ones. So um, it actually started with me just finding someone who made custom socks in Michigan. And I said. Hey, if you make 15 of these, I'm going to sell them to friends and whatever, just for whatever I bought them for. But on Twitter, I got this huge 
demand for him that built up. So then it turned into a little side gig. So um, I went on with that. It's I was, this is my third season selling them. It goes. It's done well enough where my goal is to pay for my season tickets. So nice. I've been successful in the first two years. And if I do wow. that or better, I'm just happy. So I want to make Browns fans happy. I made myself happy originally, but, you know. Yeah, and, you, and you've got a link to that on your Twitter account. Yeah, so if you go to my Twitter you. profile, there's a link to Ross the Sock Boss, my Etsy store. Um, I also have an Instagram, Ross the Sock Boss, but my Twitter is Ross Attack. That's like my Twitter is my personal Twitter as well. It's not just my sock sales, but my Instagram one is dedicated to the store. So you'll see me shoot off my opinions on Twitter way more than Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any closing thoughts for anybody who might happen to be listening? <laughs> um, I guess, you know, listen to the Brown, the Browns blitz, you guys, this is a great time. Um, it's really easy to talk Browns when we win too, of course. That's probably why we <laughs> went so long. We're all just so yeah, happy and ecstatic that we're, we're going to want to know after beating a division rival too. It's just, it's just great feeling. Um, also, just I'm going to shamelessly plug the dog chug. You guys have had Andy and Roger on. Andy, Andy, Roger, and I, we do that every Wednesday at 10 p.m. We do a, a live stream on the Network 216 YouTube channel. That's like the podcast network we're a part of. They do a bunch of uh, Browns podcasts in Cleveland sports. Right now, obviously, it's Browns heavy, and Cavs is actually right around the corner. So we get, we've, got a, we've got a guy, Zach, doing um, the Cavs coverage as well. So um, that's really it. But for the most part, um, if you ever want to meet me or see me, I try to do a lot of tailgates in the Muni lot. Um, it's just, it's a good time. Everyone's invited. Just shoot me a DM. I could make things happen. I cook, I grill, I have a TV with Mario Kart. Uh, there's a lot going on. So yeah, but at the end of the day, it's all about being a good Browns fan. That's what makes Cleveland a great sports town. It's just the fans are great. Win or lose. Winning and losing does matter, but at the end of the day, it really doesn't because the fan base is so good. That's right. That's right. All right, Jeff, uh, some closing thoughts from you tonight. Anything? Yeah, we have a great fan base, and it's it's awesome that we're finally getting to celebrate this team. And I, I just I want to see that continue throughout this season. Um, the Browns probably aren't going to be as dominant as they were against the Bengals in every game. The Steelers aren't going to look as bad as they did against the 49ers in every game. Um, Pittsburgh's a tough place to win. Um, but I feel as good as I've ever felt going into Pittsburgh on a, for a Monday night game um, with a team that I think has a great chance of beating just about anyone this year. So buckle up and enjoy it, fans. Absolutely. Right on. This has been the Browns Blitz. We thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>